Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. She got into my arms. She loves flowers. And I was like, I'm so sorry. She has autism. She was like, she's fine. Well, on Oliver Plunkett Street in the middle of broad daylight, there's a group of young men just getting high. For somebody coming in off an ambulance trolley, I have found that we physically do not have enough trolleys. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 what an incredible weekend on so many fronts. The weather, extraordinary, and down with the snow until the June Bank holiday, which will be great. Unfortunate result for Cork yesterday against Limerick, but what a win for Munster on Saturday night in South Africa. There was so much going on. And then there was this small little matter of, um, oh, oh, how much, how much was it again? This time last year, um, I announced that the total for last year was 383,973 euro. 68 cents. That's important. Very important. I'm now delighted to announce that the total raised in the 2023 Cork's 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon is 429,597 euro. And the owner of that voice is sitting opposite me, Kieran McGeary, station director. Blown away by that, Kieran. I think I can't quite get my head around it. Can you? You're not the only one, PJ. Good morning. Thanks for having me in. Um, it's an absolutely staggering amount. Um, it's It would be a staggering amount in any year, uh, but given, as we were talking just before we came on air, given that uh, all of the financial pressures mm. that people are facing at the moment, it's um, an even more incredible amount. And I think it shows a number of things. It shows, um, you know, the strength of Radiothon at this stage, um, you know, um, 15 years in, um, and it's uh, a key fundraising fixture I suppose mm. it shows the strength of our charity partners the the five charities who the people of Cork um, have benefited from over many years and I, I would say there are very few people in Cork who haven't uh, had some need for, for one of our five charity partners and, and I probably should say at this stage of course there are other uh, cancer charities uh, providing services in Cork um, it's not just the five who are partners of, of Radiothon it would be impossible to cover off every 
uh, charity. Uh, so we do have have the five who've been our, our long term charity partners. Um, I think it also shows the um, the strength of generosity amongst the people of Cork um, and how they get behind um, you know local charities, local initiatives mm. um, and as somebody who's who's a blow in into the area that's something that I can see that's 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 almost unique that you wouldn't mm. see anywhere else mm. and I think you know it's fair to say as well that it's also an indication of the strength of the bond that's between uh, Cork's 96FM mm. and our listeners I think you know people are very careful about how they uh, spend their charity donations mm-hmm. and they'll only do that uh, to people that they trust. So it's clear that they trust 96FM and our five charity partners. It's become a very well-established, if you want to use the term, charity brand now across Cork City and County. And I think I see people talking to me even when they'd meet me in the street or whatever. They're planning something as early as February or March. They'll stop me in February. Are you going ahead this year? Are you doing it this year? Yeah, we are. That's great. We're having a quiz. or That's fantastic. We're going to have a dart tonight. You know, and that's it. And and you know, I I can remember back to year one, back in two thousand and eight, when we were starting from a, a standing start. Mm-hmm. We had no idea how that uh, you know how the initiative was going to be received, um, whether people would engage with it or wouldn't. Um, and obviously, it was something very new. So um, people were only starting to do um, charity events and fundraising events for it uh, uh, at that stage. And you now move on to where we are this year and to see, as you say, people planning, you know, once New Year's comes around and they decide um, we're going to do something for charity this year. Well, what will we do? We'll do it for Radiothon. Um, And, you know, that's great to see. I see as well an advertisement last night just sent to one of my inboxes of an event coming up in June where a group have one of the biggest dart players in the world, one of the world champions coming over to play a darts match against a bunch of local lads and that's got a Radiothon brand on it. They're going to be performing. Like, people are going to... They're doing this now all year round. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we announced on um, Saturday at about 10 to 6 uh, that total of 429,597. Um that's uh, th- that amount will go up in the coming yeah. days that's yeah. our 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 experience because um people are um you know will do like you were saying that they'll have events coming up mm-hmm. there are other events that perhaps we we haven't heard about yet that have happened right. over the weekend that uh, that that will come in so there's no doubt that that total will will, will increase over the period of time Kieran that we've been doing this 15 years now cumulative and we only ever missed one through 2020 through covid um, cumulatively, give me the number. It's a staggering amount, PJ. It's in excess of 6.1 million uh, euro. Um, and there's no doubt that, you know, this is the biggest um, fundraising appeal on any uh, local radio station in Ireland. Um, and it's probably at this stage, one of the biggest fundraising appeals in Cork, one of the, the, the biggest annual uh, fundraising uh, appeals in Cork. And, um, you know, we're, 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 we're very grateful for that. Mm. Share is a really established Christmas one. And I think we're all very proud here as a team to say that now, come May, 
we were established as where people will go. I think it's marvellous. It's it's absolutely mind-blowing, PJ. I say this every year. I just, I can't get over people's generosity, both in terms of those who donate uh, financially, those who give up their time to to um, organise events. And, and uh, you know, it's dangerous to get into the territory of, of uh, naming people, but I think special mention has to go out to uh, our friends uh, at the bus station, yes. the bus errand staff, the, uh, particularly the bus drivers. Twelve and a half thousand or something. Twelve and a half thousand this year was raised in the the, 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 the biggest change collector box. I mean, that's phenomenal. And, and what people probably don't know is that the guys manning that do so in their own time. Mm-hmm. They either take time off work or it's uh, after their shifts have ended. Mm-hmm. And year after year, we don't have to chase them. They just come and they say, we're going to do this. And it's uh, it was their idea originally back yes. in, in, in 2008. And year after year, they've, they've continued to do it. So that's fantastic. Um, the, the obviously, you know, there's there's a big machine behind Radiothon as you'd as you'd appreciate, mm. and and you know when people text in and say they'd like to donate ten euro or fifty euro or whatever it is, um, they have to get a call back, mm. and Abtran uh, came on board this year, um, and you know I'll give them a special mention because they came on board and they said that they would do this as part of their. Uh, own um, corporate social responsibility wow. initiative um, and the staff down there you know really got behind it really engaged I had the pleasure of, of going uh, down to the call centre on Friday briefly to see see it all in action and it's, it's great to see that um, but um, you know the, 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 they deserve a special mention and I think uh, nobody will will um, uh, think badly of me for for also mentioning the the team here at uh, ninety six of m because everybody gets behind it and it 's not just something that as I said on Saturday, that just happens. Mm. Uh, Radiothon is months in the planning. Probably, um, you know, once uh, the summer is over, once we get to September, uh, that's when the first meeting will happen with the five charity partners, um, and also the people uh, involved in the in the in our five charity partners. Um, there's Marymount Hospice, the Mercy uh, Foundation, um, the Cuh Charity, Cork Arc uh, Support House, and Breakthrough Cancer Research. All of the, the people involved in those charities are super invested in, in Radiothon and pull out all the stops, um, you know, in the months leading up to it and obviously over the three days of Radiothon as well. So a huge amount goes into that. Um, and I, for one, am extremely grateful to, to everybody involved. All right, Kieran, thanks for coming in. Uh, another great yeah. Same weekend again next year. Uh, absolutely. 362 yeah. days. <laughs> you know what I'm like. <laughs> I'm glad you did the calculations. I didn't. Kieran, thank you very much. Our station director, Kieran McGeary. And to each and every one of you who dug deep for us over the weekend and over the last few weeks, we there are no words to say how grateful we are. Thank you all. I witnessed an absolutely epic magpie fight this morning. There was about 13 of them. One for sorrow, two for joy, three for girl, four for boy, five for silver, six for cash gold, seven for a secret never to be told, eight for a wish, yeah, nine for Krispy Kreme, ten for a can of Dutch gold for a theme, yeah, (laughs) eleven, eleven for health, yeah, twelve for a sale in pennies, thirteen beware the devil himself. 
Who's sitting there counting 13 magpies? Casey and Ross in the morning. Test drive the award-winning Skoda Enyaq electric SUV at Null DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Cork's 96 Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Well, as we were... Uh, settling in on Saturday evening to have a small celebration to mark the success of Radiothon and indeed to mark the wonderful success of Munster in South Africa. Those of us who are rugby fans got some terribly sad news uh, on our phones. Um, colleague and friend Paul Byrne sent around a text to us uh, to say that young Ava Barry had died at the age of just 13. And that was such a sad thing, such a sad thing to happen. Vera Toomey became a household name. Ava's mom became a household name. Ava had Dravitz syndrome, a very severe form of epilepsy. At its worst, she was suffering 20 or more seizures per day, if you can imagine that. 20 or more seizures per day huge seizures and mom would never know whether her little girl was going to come back from any seizure like that. And then they discovered that a thing called THC which is part of cannabis would relax Ava and would reduce the number of seizures very drastically, almost to the point where she could get days where there were no seizures at all. And Vera began a campaign to have medicinal cannabis licensed for her little girl. She did eventually get that license in 2017. And that was very difficult because they had to travel back and forward to Holland, to the Netherlands, to pick up the medicinal cannabis, bring it back and use it for for Ava's epilepsy because at the time they weren't allowed to get it here in this country. They could bring it in under licence, administer it to the child under licence. It was very successful and she had uh, her seizures were greatly reduced and I spoke many times over the years to Vera Toomey. So in order to remember what those chats used to be like and uh, to remember to listen to the love in her voice for her little girl. I've chosen this one from November of 2020, which was in the middle of the first year of COVID. And because of COVID, Vera couldn't travel to the Netherlands to collect the medication for Eva. And that, of course, was a huge problem because we remember 2020, we weren't, we weren't allowed to fly, couldn't go anywhere. And travel was greatly restricted, not just for those of us here, but anyone who needed to get anywhere was so restricted for months on end. And then it got sorted. And I chatted to uh, Vera about it in November of 2020. And as always, my first question to her was, how's Ava? She's very good. She's very good. As we're talking now, she's just back from school. Um, so she's she'd a, she's had a great day. She had um, she had a difficult few weeks in the past couple of weeks. Actually, a couple of calls and bits and pieces that knocked her a bit. All right, but this this time of year is difficult. 
How are the seizures? Uh, they're under control. They're good. I mean, like we're maintaining the sort of around the 95% seizure, I'd say seizure freedom. So um, that's really, really good. Would she get more Vera at a time when she wasn't well otherwise, would she? Exactly. You'd be concerned at that time always with temperatures and just being a bit worn out or run down, you know, but um, the, the medical cannabis kind of seems to get us through that though. You know, yeah. to a degree that we never had before. So it's it's great. Yeah. What, was she cocooning or were you cocooning with her in the very early stage of this? Um, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, we we still are, you know, as, as much as possible. But for Ava, the school is very, very important. Um, it's, you know, or even children like her, um, you can't really explain to them why they're not at school. Yeah. And when she wasn't at school, she she sort of starts to go into herself a bit, you know. Um, so the interaction with other students and the teachers love her in there. So um, we feel very, very confident about them. Well, it's good that they're, they're few and far between at least these days. Now, you've not had to travel to Holland since since April, since all these restrictions came into place. That's been a big relief, obviously. How often would you normally have to go? We were, since we returned to Ireland in December of 17, we were travelling every 12 weeks um, from Cork to the Netherlands to collect the medication. And... You know, we had to apply for the licenses and, and, and do all the paperwork. And that was a continuous like hamster wheel that we were on regarding collecting the medication. And we were told that um, that was the way it was. And is, there, is it that the terms of the license, Vera, mean that you have to physically go yourself? Is that it? Exactly. That's what we were told, that we had to present ourselves at the pharmacy in Den Haag in the in the Netherlands to collect the prescription. So obviously when COVID came, we were in an awful state really because like you're talking about getting on a plane, going over to Holland, to Schiphol, which is an international hub, taking trains, taking trams, meeting a lot of strangers and uh it, it it, it it looked like a nightmare. It looked really, 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 really dangerous. So that was very frightening. And how did it come about that you didn't have to do that? Who's to, who made that decision? Well, I I I tried very hard to contact um, you know, the the, the usual suspects, the, the political people, and so forth. And uh, I wasn't making great progress, so. I put the story out on social media. Um, again, just the situation that we were in. And thankfully, um, it was actually Simon Coveney that stepped in and took a call from me and sort of arranged that the, the medication would be delivered. And that was one of many interviews I did over the years with uh, Vera Toomey. Our thoughts, thoughts of the team, thoughts of everybody here at the radio station with Vera and her family, Ava, of course, survived by her parents and siblings, Michael, Sophia and Elvira May. And Vera said at the weekend that Ava is at peace now. And we think of the family. Uh, 
right now. 0818-969696. John says, I'm shocked and saddened by her passing. They're wonderful human beings, both daughter and mother. Ireland is privileged to have known Ava. Something in all of us dies in a story like this. Thank you, John. That's a very lovely comment. Her book, by the way, Vera Toomey's book for Ava is available in all good bookshops and I believe you can get an electronic version as well for your Kindle. A great read. I read it at the time. Super read. And we, talk, we talked about it then too. 0818 96 96 96. So Linda, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How can I help you today? Oh, I feel this weird now after that poor child. Um, I give my sympathies to that family, to Vera, because she's a wonderful, wonderful woman. And I am absolutely gutted. Um, and I hope that Ava's at peace now with no pain. Um, so I just wanted to say that, PJ. Um, the flip words. side of it, um, my situation at the moment um, is, I suppose, look, I, I don't even know where to start. Basically, I have an 18-year-old daughter. Um, she suffers with very bad anxiety. She's worked really hard on herself the last year to fight through it mm-hmm. and has done exceptionally well. Um Everything that kind of can happen to her happens to her PJ. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why she's challenged. Um, but long story short, we she started to take she took up driving last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we got her a little car to go around in and she was flying around in it. Um, obviously with the backlogs over COVID with the test centre, it's been a nightmare. Um, she'd done a test and again, you know, she was just very unlucky. She went out there and she unfortunately got the inspector as well. So she had the inspector sitting in the back seat. That would put anybody um, off. God, yeah. Yeah, and especially for someone that actually, you know, suffers with anxiety. Um, now, she did say that the tester was incredibly nice and I'd say he knew. But what happened is that she basically, she panicked because the inspector was in the back of the car and he was trying to duck down and she went through an orange light and obviously that's an instant fail. Um, the poor girl had to continue and do another 40 minutes on the road knowing she was after failing. She only got two or three, I think, grade ones and twos. So she actually had a really good test only for this thing happening with the traffic light. Um, fast forward, we decided she was she's works part time um, for her dad. Okay. And we were like, she was trying to save and save. And she's fierce thing. She loves her cars, you know, and uh, we decided to surprise her and got her a, a Ford Focus. Nice. Um, she has the Ford Focus. It'll be coming up to three weeks on Thursday. Um, her test is today. She has to be in the centre for 20 past two. And we have no tax disc for the car because the uh, the dealership we bought it from um, had told me that he had taxed the car and he didn't. And it was only taxed last Thursday. Right. So the tax disc is in the post. And the I first time you do it with a new car, it takes a little bit longer than normal. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm not just saying this, I'm driving 30 years, uh, PJ, and she's actually, she, if she hears me now, she'll be delighted, but she's actually a better driver than me. <laughs> she, It's in her. She just, you know, she mm. just needs break. She needs a break. She needs the look. Like, she was diagnosed with dyspraxia a few months ago. There's just all these little obstacles that are coming up and I just feel so, my heart is broken for her because this could impact her in a very negative way if this test doesn't happen for her. I understand. And and because of the not having a disc, 
they won't let her use, which is, to no. my mind, stupid because you have a receipt for the tax paid, but yeah. they won't yeah. let her use it yeah. without a disc. No. To my mind, that's utterly no. stupid, but that's just me. Um, so, and it's an electric handbag, which is so much... Okay. I, yeah. It's so much easier for her, PJ, yeah. because obviously of this Braxia, she panicked. It, it's gone into her head now with the handbrake because of the, not the fault of the inspector, for God's sake, he's doing his job. Mm. But the fact that she didn't want to stop because he was kind of looking into the mirror. She was driving, the tester was next to her and it was a small Suzuki at the time. So she... Then we said to her, look, why don't you reschedule? So she went on to try and seek and she reschedule and there is no appointments available at this time. So I'm going to hospital in a few weeks. And I don't, I really don't know. I suffer with autoimmune diseases. So okay. I don't know how I'm going to get around um, because I was kind of half depending on her um, to kind of help because she just loves driving, PJ. She's sure. out every single day driving. I'm pleading, I suppose, number one, a miracle that the disc will come in the post, but the disc will be going to Dublin because it'll be going to the dealership. If that's the case, I'm going to have to just get to Dublin and get it back here before quarter past two today. We've heard nothing from the dealership at the moment, so I I, I can't see that happening. You know, it's, it's very sad, to be honest with you, that we've been messed about. My other plea is to any garage out there, any Ford garage in particular, that has a Ford Focus diesel hatchback Look, I mean, people will probably be listening and saying that I'm a hard case now saying about the electric handbrake. But she is so used to this now okay. that it's it would be a bonus, a, a bonus. You know, would anybody say, be willing to lend or any instructor who might have one be willing to lend your daughter the car for the test with the electric yeah. handbrake in it, a Ford Focus the electric handbrake that she could use it for her test this afternoon. That's no, what you're it would asking. Have to be, it would have to be test ready. It would have to have NCT, sure. obviously the tax disc. We'd look after the insurance um, and it would have to be, you know, no lights running. I know now you'd be thinking I'm... No, I, no, no, I get, your, I get, I get what you're saying. I... You see, I suppose, look, without getting into it, it's been, Leah has had a really tough few years. Okay. She's doing her, she didn't go to school for a few years. Now she's gone back to do her leave insert through another way, um, channel. And she's trying so hard, PJ. I know. Or if the text, look, if they're listening out in the test centre, would they accept the yeah. receipt as evidence that the car is taxed? That, like, like I even paid, I paid for a health check on the car and it's taxed. It's there in black and white, yes, you know. Yes, yes. Um, it's just we don't have the, it's in, it's in on post uh, somewhere. I know, you know, I know. Um, and I like, know, it's unfortunate that we were the, told. This, the the unfortunate know, part is that the law, the law only acknowledges the tax when there's a tax disc on the car. I know because I got caught a couple of years ago, I got a ticket for no tax, even though the tax had been paid. And I, and I met us with a curly, stroppy attitude when I went to appeal it, although I did win my appeal that the car was taxed. But, but if, yeah, if, I, if the test centre would accept the receipt or if somebody would have a Ford Focus with the electric handbrake in good nick that they would lend to your daughter for the test this afternoon. Yeah. Basically, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, she, like her test is at 10 to 3. She has to be there, I think, 20 minutes, a half an hour beforehand. Okay. It's four or five hours. Um, You'd never know. Yeah. You never, listen, 
I'm just throwing it out there and I really, really would appreciate any help with this because it's it means an awful lot. There are four dealerships around town. We still consider Ford something of a car company, even though it's been a long time since they had a factory here. But I know. You'd never know. You'd never know. I know. People are great, know. you know, Linda, I, as I we as we learned at the I weekend. Listen, I always in Cork, I mean I I mean, look. I, I I always say to people, give go- out good and you'll get good back. And I suppose, look, for Leah, I just need this to happen. For Listeners her. asking a very good question be. here. Can the tax disc yeah. be printed online? Uh, or um, was that a COVID thing? No, it can't because um, the dealership um, taxed it. So it's literally... Like it is taxed up to April twenty four, so it's taxed for a year. So no, to the best of my knowledge, no, I don't think so. Now I asked a buddy of mine who's who's a guard as well, and she was saying that, um, you know, if you had proof, maybe that would would help. But it's down again to the test centre. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, if you meet a, in fairness, if you meet a guard at a checkpoint and you have paid your tax, oh, your grand, yeah, your grand, yeah. whether you have a disc or not, yeah. but. Yeah. Okay. Look, well, let's see what, what can, Linda, as we've learned again at the Peter, weekend, people are you. brilliant. I know. You'd I, never know. Listen, thank you. Not thank you. And Emma is a little gem, so thanks to her as well for even um, getting me on here to even oh. just. Uh, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see if some, it'll, be, it'll be fantastic to start the week with a little win like that Linda uh, so what we got we got someone 18 years of age absolutely loves driving has been driving her own little Ford Focus with an electric mm. handbrake has been preparing for her test in it but because it's not doesn't have a tax disc the problem is that the driving test centre probably won't accept it this afternoon so here's the option would they give us a break out at the test centre and accept that the car is taxed and that can be proven. Would someone in a dealership locally, maybe, a Ford dealership, lend us, or lend Linda, rather, uh, the car, lend a car, Ford Focus, with an electric handbrake? That's important. She's learned to drive with the electric handbrake. Would someone, or would somebody have, I know this is pushing it really out there, would somebody listening have a Ford Focus with the electric handbrake that they would lend to a very conscientious young lady for an hour this afternoon to take her driving test. Maybe a driving school, a driving instructor. Is anybody listening who might be able to get Linda and her daughter out of this particular difficulty? You would never know. It's a lot to be asking for on a Monday morning, but... You'd never know if anybody can help. And once again, it's a Ford Focus with an electronic handbrake in it. And we just need a loan of it for the afternoon so that this young lady can take her driving test in the car. If anybody can help, a dealership, an instructor, a very generous member of the public, anybody, do give us a call at 0818 96 96 96. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. We're good to go on line one, thank you. Joined by Dennis O'Sullivan, who is Vice Chair of Killers G. 
GAA club. A desperately, desperately sad story has emerged from East Cork in the last couple of weeks. There was a fire on the 22nd of April which affected the Walsh family dreadfully. It started in a garage, spread to the house. There was nobody home. It was too late to save the house when the alarm was raised and they could salvage nothing. The house was destroyed. To make matters worse because of financial pressures, the housing insurance policy had lapsed. It gets worse because Dad, Brendan, father of five, ex-carpenter and then retrained as a frontline care worker in the pandemic, he died on the 1st of May, just over a week after the fire. His heartbroken wife and five children are left behind and they are destitute and homeless and a fundraiser has been set up by Kilkenny GAA and uh, Dennis O'Sullivan joins me. Dennis, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Uh, an unspeakable tragedy. Absolutely. And just to correct you there, it's Kilkenny GAA. I beg your pardon. Uh, uh, absolutely unspeakable, PJ, from the point of view, you know, um, the family have suffered a horrendous tragedy. Um, and we in Kilogy, and I'm conscious that some of the Watch family listen to your programme, you know, I, I am honoured to be here this morning speaking on their behalf and on behalf of Kilogy, as they allowed us to tell the story openly and honestly as it happened. And I think the public have just responded in a phenomenal way and are continuing to do so. There's already a quarter of a million euro raised. That's phenomenal. Yeah. I think our GoFundMe just hit 300,000 there recently. But I suppose I'm also appealing today to, you know, through your good self and your listeners, you know, the builder providers, the, the fit out of homes, anyone that can help and pledge in any way. The watch has lost absolutely everything. You know, I'm sure Barry... And, and, and Sean, who are fantastic hurlers, had to go and get new new kit, new hurlies, new helmets. Such was the devastation of the fire. Yeah. It started, and of course people were out. It started in a, a garage. In a garage, yes. And then it spread. And, and spread rapidly. And look, you know, once fire starts. Indeed. You know, the outcome. Indeed, indeed. So, and, uh, you know, I think on, on behalf of the Watch family as well, PJ, they've asked me to thank each and everybody who has supported this, this, this fundraising, who continue to support them, who have supported them since the 22nd of April in every way possible. They are hugely indebted and, and, and have asked me to, to, to pay tribute and thank you all. Did you know Brendan well? Yes, I did. And, and um, you know, the Watcher are, are, are an extended family here in Killa and are steeped um, in, in the GA um, probably from his family I would even know better because being involved with Killa senior hurling team and, and the under 17 team last year Barry would have starred this year with the Cork under 17 and I suppose it's testament to his inner strength that he went out in, and played for Cork in the Munster final against Clare in Thurlis the week after his dad was buried oh my goodness me and he's the free taker had a starring role in that game, and again in the All Ireland semi final week later against uh, Galway. And that, I think that that takes strength and guts. Absolutely, and Sean is is a fantastic senior hurler with with the Killer series. Yeah. Brendan himself had uh, played at all levels, hadn't he? Brendan was an outstanding hurler. 
you know, and, and a job. I, I would have first got to know Killa, and not, I'm not from Killa, I'm from West Cork originally, but I, I came to live in East Cork in 95 and would have got involved with Killa GAE. And Brendan playing hurling on the field was a joy to behold. And he wore every jersey for Cork, right up to senior level, was on the bench 19 years of age in the 92 while Ireland final against Kilkenny. Mm. And he also played for Ireland in an under-21 county. I see, I see. And he was a fantastic... And he actually coached uh, Barry, his son, and then his nephew, and God also starred on that Cork under-17 team this year. Both wow. of the The GAA really is a huge family, isn't it, Dennis? It's phenomenal, PJ. Um, we hit the button at quarter past four on Friday evening last, and on the GoFundMe page, and all we sent it to initially was the members of Killer GA and Emma Killer GA, and asked them to retweet it and put it on every social media platform they had. By ten o'clock on Friday evening, a hundred thousand was raised. Yeah, I'm, by quarter past four the following day, within twenty-four hours the fund had gone to 209,000. I'm looking at it now in front of me and just the latest refresh. It's called Killer GAA Walsh Family Fundraiser. There's a picture of the other oh, houses just destroyed. God, God love them. 299,616. Yes. Now, that's we, incredible in a couple of days. It's, it's incredible, PJ. And, you know, funds are still coming in and... You know, as well as our GoFundMe page, we've also set up a special account in permanent TSB Middleton, and people can donate to that account as well. It's the Killer GA Watch Family Fundraiser. And if they pop into any one of permanent TSB branches, they can make a donation to that account. And funds are also coming in to that account at the moment. But I still appeal to, you know, the public out there, keep, keep continuing to, 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 to give us funds and also to all. You know, the suppliers, though, they're from, you know, when you think with Barry, all the watches had left with the clothes on their back. Right. So everything has to be replenished. And the, the house the house will have to be torn down and rebuilt, won't it? Pretty ab- much. Absolutely. And, and built, and, and I have no doubt we will, and refurbished, you know, from the point of view, the, the, the community out there, you know, right across the county... This morning, we are sending the link to the Secretary of every county board in Ireland of the 31 other counties. Cork have done it already. And in turn, they are going to send the link to every club in their county. Okay. Okay. We, we think, you know, the GA world out there and the public will, will just respond as they have already phenomenally to this call. They, certain, they, they certainly have. Um, it's, it's, it, it, it's unspeakable. And the fact that due to financial pressures... The insurance hadn't been paid. I'm sure there must be many people like that these days, given the financial situation. Barry, just, you know, on my own behalf, my day job, I work with permanent TSB, as many listeners will know mm-hmm. from the point of view, and I see this on a regular basis. When, the, when there is financial pressure, the first things that get lost and not paid are the house insurance, the life cover, the serious illness cover, even the health insurance. It is very common. And in, in my 42 years in banking, I've seen it on a regular basis. But, uh, okay. I, you know, and thank you for allowing us through the, you know, the medium of your radio to, to just to say a huge thank you to the, the tremendous response that, um, that, that happened in the last 36 hours. We had a feeling when I hit the button um, on Friday evening that this is going to be huge because during 
Brendan's funeral, which the removal lasted probably over five hours, the amount of people that just came up to us while we were stewarding or maybe doing traffic and things, when you start fundraising, count as in. Yeah. And they had, you know, so, over So what's going to happen, you were saying to me, that this particular GoFundMe link now will be shared with every GA club in the country? Yes. Yes. Okay. We're sending it on to every county secretary, and we'll ask every county secretary to in turn send it to every GA club. In, in many GA clubs, to be honest, have shared it already. Sure. You know, they have, like, it's like I suppose to me, you know, this shows uh, um, social media, you know, at its best. Absolutely. We see an awful lot of it being shown at its worst, but this is at its best. This is absolutely, there is no way we would have reached such level of funds in 36 hours without social media. And, you know, radio, the digital channels, radio channels and newspapers have also carried the story. Okay. And I think we've continued to, like, the, 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 the support out there for the Walsh family. And, you know, I said it to Sean, one of the, his sons yesterday, he said, look, hopefully it is some consolation for, for your man and, and, and your, your brothers and sisters that look, this has happened so quickly. It just shows the goodwill of the people. Where, where, where are they living at the moment, Dennis? They, they are living in rented accommodation in, in, in Red Bar. Okay. okay. Yeah. So... So true, true, true. Your good self, PJ. If you know people can pledge support to to, to your radio station, they can contact Kilogy through the the GoFundMe, or they can contact me directly. You're okay. you're very free to give out my mobile phone. And do they need anything instantly? Do they need anything right now that someone might be able to get for them today? Uh, PJ, we would consider anything. You know, from the point of view, such is like we have to build this family from the ground up. And, and, and give them a home and, 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 and furnish it and you know which will be done but but we will accept anything Alright, okay if anybody wants to ha- contact you directly we would be happy to pass on the number to them Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Okay. and thanks again PJ for, for allowing me on air that's all. It's our pleasure, Dennis. Thank you very much for that. The, the fundraiser is the Killer GA Walsh family fundraiser. This family have lost everything. Five children and their mom without their home and without their dad. Because just a week after the house burnt down, Brendan died tragically on the 1st of May, just over a week after the fire. His wife and children not just heartbroken, but destitute and and homeless now. That fundraiser, GoFundMe, set up by Kira GAA, and it stands as we speak now, which I pressed this refresh button again, it now stands at €300,166. I'm going to keep it open and see what comes in uh, over the course of the programme. It will be shared today with every GAA club in the land, through all of the county secretaries. But if you want to pop on to GoFundMe and look at the Killer GEA Walsh family fundraiser, what will jump out of the page to you is their destroyed home, which was clearly a beautiful home. Destroyed. The fire started in the garage, spread to the house. There was nobody home. The insurance had lapsed, and as Dennis said there, that is becoming all too common now. Because of the cost of living crisis, people are letting house insurance lapse. They're letting health insurance lapse because they can't afford it, simply. (sighs) Oh, God, it's awful. It is awful. Um, 
We'll keep an eye on that fundraiser during the morning. 0818 96 96 96. The GoFundMe has gone over 300,000 euro. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Cork's 96 FM. Festival season is almost upon us, so let's do a quick festival checklist. Wellies, tent, dry shampoo, baby wipes, tickets. Tickets. Just as well, all this week I'm giving away passes for Independence in Mitchellstown. Your chance to see Anne-Marie, Jax Jones, Inhaler, Belters Only and more this August. Tune in to win every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home. With Independence Music and Arts Festival. Magic and memories at Indie 23. Tickets at independencefestival.com. Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Oh, it's 96FM. Good morning, PJ. Very good morning, Joe. I hope it's, the sun is shining in court. It is indeed. A very successful event on Friday, a very well-attended event on Friday. And just before I get into the, the nitty-gritty questions that we say, the, the, the women are being, attracting more women into politics. You as a party have worked very hard at it in, in attracting more women into politics. Is it working for you? Well, we have, and uh, and it has. Um, we have now, I suppose, thirty five percent of our TDs are women. Our front bench in the doll is fifty fifty. I have it gender balanced. Forty um, percent of the councillors elected in the north uh, in in the the elections uh, over the last weeks uh, are women, and in fact. 90% of the of the women candidates that we ran in those elections actually got elected. So we're conscious it's not just about putting women forward. It's about running women in, in winnable seats. More than 50% of our MLAs in the North elected to the Assembly are women. So we've worked hard. But PJ, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you, we're not there yet. We still have much to do. And I think across the entire political system, it's important that representative democracy is actually representative and that women are there and young people and older people and people of colour and people from the travelling community. The more diversity Mm. we have when decisions are made and in our representative bodies, we know the better the quality of decision making and the more connected politics becomes and remains with people. What what if there was one thing to put your finger on, Mary Lou? What is off-putting for women looking at politics as a job option, as a career option? I, I think there is still, I mean, people talk about, you know, cash, childcare, confidence, all of those things are factors. But for me, I think it's still, culturally, there is a feeling that somehow politics and power and all de- decision-making are male that it's still kind of a bastion where women and girls would say to themselves, is that really for me? Would I fit in? Is this really my thing? It's kind of that intangible piece. And I think that's what we need to overcome. They say, you know, that you can't, if you don't see it, you can't be it. 
So I'm very conscious as a woman who's in public life, as, as an activist, as a political leader, it's very important for those of us who are who, who are, live this life that we encourage other women. And I know that very often the conversation about women entering p- public life is framed in the, how challenging it is, sometimes the difficulties that can arise, you know, dealing with public criticism or controversy or some mm. of the more toxic carry on on, on on social media. But I think it's important to say to women and to girls, this is a great life. And this, it, it, to be elected, to have the confidence and mandate of people is, is a huge privilege. It's, it's also a very enjoyable, it's very rewarding. People are terrific People are just absolutely bringing. You see all the toxic stuff on social media. That does not represent yeah. who Irish people are or, or how they interact with you. So I think it's important that we talk positively Thank about you. this life and yeah. about this experience, although it is challenging and it's, you know, you need your wits about you. One of your most high profile women in this part of the world, Mary Lou, Leonie Rieda, ha- has announced she won't stand in the next election. That's a That's setback. Right, yeah. Well, look, Leah is an absolutely outstanding uh, person, an outstanding talent. She's run for election before she did a, a great stint in the European Parliament. And she's just at a point in time and at a stage where she has decided that she wants to pursue something else. And that's OK, you know, PJ. I won't lie. I mean, I, I would I would have loved Leah to be on, on the, the ballot paper again, but... Given your performance in the polls of late, Mary Lou, she'd have been hard to beat. Yeah, and um, she's she's a a real contender anyway because she's a person with experience and very, very great uh, Mm. ability. But look, she's made her decision. Leah is a friend, uh, an incredible person. She's still a member of the party. She's Mm. still active with us, but she's pursuing another thing in her life and you have to allow for that as well might she, you know, have, might she have another tilt off the oris in 2025 would you think well you wouldn't know <laughs> she hasn't she hasn't said that to me if that's <laughs> if that's how she's thinking but sure who's to yeah. say pj stranger things have happened let's come to the events of the week um the tax the, 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 it seems to be fighting between Fine Gael and, and Fianna Fáil on taxes and Leo Varadkar saying he wants to cut tax for the squeezed middle uh, he used to call them the people who get up early in the morning mm. now they're the squeezed middle people are middling now I don't think there's a person listening to me Mary Lou who earns middle income who wouldn't say yeah actually I could do with paying a little bit less tax well, look, I, I mean, I'm very conscious of, of that, whether, whatever way we describe them, people who are out working hard, doing their best, paying their taxes and then scratching their heads and wondering, you know, what it's all about when um, if they need a medical treatment or um, if, if they're struggling to pay their rent and it keeps going up or if they're trying to put a roof over their head or th- their children or grandchildren are left with, with no opportunity to ever purchase their home they they wonder I, I hear that frustration all of the time but but what I have heard from people very loudly and clearly is that uh, whatever about getting a, a tax relief and there's no doubt come the next budget we'll all set out our stalls and, and there will be a tax relief I, I think it has to be tax relief that's very fairly targeted and that advantages the majority uh, of workers that you've described. 
But realistically, most people will tell you having 20 quid extra in your pocket does not uh, compensate for rent that you simply can't afford or an inability to get a secure roof over your head or to get an assessment of needs. And how would you tackle those problems? Disabilities. Those, those issues are all about, well, investment in the first place. And we now know money is not the issue here. The issue here is planning. We've no shortage of money. Here. We've massive surpluses. Oh, absolutely. So it, it's not money. So if, it's, if money is not the issue, what is the issue? The issue is bad government, bad planning, the wrong strategies and the wrong priorities. Well, I'm, I'm reading a, a story in the paper this morning about a young... And I spoke to this young kid's mom a few weeks back about... And there's the, the uh, examiner... It's the case of, of Leah Ford. The HSE says contact the Department of Health. The Department of Education says contact the HSE and the Department of Health. They're all pushing it around the table. Four mm-hmm. or five government departments and the HSE pushing a problem around the table. Now, can you... Yeah. Do you have someone on your team who can walk in to the any one of these departments and say, stop it? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it shouldn't even take someone... I mean, we're currently in opposition, I hope, yeah. after the next election, I mean. that the if, people if will give us the opportunity to be on the far side of the house. But for now, I mean, to me, that that is just one example, and I could cite many, many other examples of just absolute crazy, where people are given the runaround, where children are given the runaround, Mm -hmm. children who need services and support now and don't need bureaucracy playing games, sometimes ignoring them or um, passing them from Billy to Jack, as the saying goes. So that, for me, is a question of the system lacking leadership, having lost its way. And somebody now needs to intervene, whoever it is from the government team, on behalf of Leah, uh, and all of the other children in in this mess and put a stop to it and simply get some rhyme or reason there. I mean, to give you another example, and you'll be aware of this, I've lost count of the number of uh, families who will tell you that they can't get an assessment. They're waiting and waiting. Mm-hmm. They go privately. They fork out the money. They can't really afford it or other services for their child or young person that they need. They're not getting any support from the state. Uh, the state says, well, we're, we're resource poor. We, we can't recruit because they haven't done the workforce planning correctly. And yes, they won't, as an interim measure, actually support families and recognise the state mm-hmm. is failing in, in its inability to support you. So at least we will support you if you are forced to go and, and seek out these services. What people are asking uh, yes, is if we didn't have, if, if it was a question of not having the money, people might understand. But but we do have the money and, and plenty of it. On, a, on another thing there, I saw the video at the weekend of, of Thomas Gould, who faced down by some very nasty protesters at a train station. Yeah. He's getting a lot of credit for it. But these small bands of very loud, aggressive protesters, they're gaining some traction, Mary Lou. Do you think that they could do damage to people at the polls come come election time? No, I don't. And I, I think it is really, really important to distinguish between the very, very small, small, small number of people, the likes of whom attacked Tommy at the train station, and wider public opinion. And we saw at the weekend that wider public opinion, and I wasn't surprised, is alarmed and concerned at the lack of government competence 
in dealing with refugees and people coming here seeking safe haven. Uh, and nobody should be surprised at that because it has been organised chaos from the start uh, to finish. Um, but that does not mean, it, it, I am sure, that people support the likes of that kind of very abusive, very aggressive, mm. in some kind, in some cases, very physically confrontational. It's, it's a very take- loud cohort. There is a fear it that is. it they're is loud, growing. But small. There's a fear yeah. that it is growing. You see. Well, I, I would not be uh, so fearful of that. I have great faith in people's common sense and above all else in people's decency. And I think decent, reasonable people understand that if they are concerned, if they are angry with the fact that uh, people coming to our shores fleeing war and persecution, uh, coming here seeking international uh, protection, if their view is that the government is not managing or handling that correctly, well, then they vent their anger at the government, not at vulnerable individuals. I think all of Irish people are decent. So we, we know to channel that anger in the right direction. There are some, you're right, PJ, who will try and take advantage of this, mm. who will see some kind of political platform in it. I don't believe there is. I, I, I believe that they will fail. And I, above all else, I think this is a real wake up call for the government just to be more organised. We said to them months and months ago, I appealed to trust communities. If, if you are introducing new people into communities, whether they're small communities in mm. city settings or in Do you believe towns, communities should be told? Go and talk to people. Do you believe communities? You know, Absolutely. That's the one complaint why, why we have is so the old convent down the road or the old apartment block down the road that there are people coming in there nobody knew except maybe the the owner of the, of the of the complex. Do you think that communities should have a right to know a couple of weeks out Of course they should. And let me tell you, when people know and when you respect people and give them credit for being mature, thoughtful people who care about their community um, and you have the conversation and people have an opportunity to ask their questions, to raise their concerns, what you will find, I can guarantee you, is that there will be very reasonable concerns. The suitability of the building, is it fire safe? Um, will people be okay there? What kind of supports and services will be there for uh, people? And what are they going to do all day? What um, mm. further supports will be brought into the community so people can be cared for and access medical care and so on, particularly in communities where resources are tight? If you go and have the conversation, then you open up that space. If you don't have the conversation, then we've seen the consequences of yeah. that. People are really vulnerable then to getting the wrong end of the yeah, stick. You, you, to create, all you create sorts an opening for the kind of protests and of course that, you that, create that, a that vacuum. we have seen. And okay. Exactly, PJ. So I, I think it's only a matter of actually having respect and trusting people um, and, and, and operating on the basis of common mm. sense and common courtesy as okay. well. Lastly, and it's the first opportunity that I've had to talk to you since the... Since the court case, as it were, Mary Lou, do you think that come the next election, local European or indeed general election when it comes, do you think that the ghost of a certain Jonathan Dowdall might come back to bite you? Uh, I don't. Um, And I have to say that um, the actions of Jonathan Dowdall, there's one person accountable for that and that is him. And he's been brought before the courts and he's, he's faced his reckoning. 
um, and that uh, is as it should be. Um, Had you any idea of the murky contacts he had when he was a member of your party? Jeepers. God almighty, no. I mean, um, I can assure you, had I known, he wouldn't have been in the party. Um, He wouldn't have been anywhere near me and he most certainly would not have been running for public office. I mean, it it seems to me um, that that's an obvious thing. Who in the name of goodness would run somebody who who would turn out was, was capable of such criminal actions and run them for election. I mean, God, that, that would be uh, unthinkable. But, but it goes to show you that uh, you can be caught by surprise. The important thing is that, um, that in the end, the system does its job. And um, wh- where somebody has committed an offence, that they're brought to book and they face the full consequences of their actions. All right. We'll talk again, no doubt, very soon. That's the leader of Sinn Féin, Mary Lou MacDonald. Thank you for your time this morning. Appreciate it. 0818 Your thoughts are welcome on whatever was raised in that conversation with Mary Lou. Taxes, the, the protests against um, Tommy Gould, that video went fairly viral over the weekend. He handled it very well, you have to say, for the man... Uh, I would be voting for her because the last time I voted uh, Michal Martin uh, Okay, thank you for Tom I'll read that after the break, thanks Tom 0818 96 96 96 Let me throw something at you just by way of if I forget to mention this uh, I will regret not doing so This is a story that developed again last week when we were on the air with Radiothon this is the grieving parents of young Corklad, Cameron Blair, who was murdered on the 16th of January 2020 uh, after a house party on the Bandon Road. His assailant was 17 years of age at that point and has since been jailed for life. Now Cameron's parents have called for that young man to be named because he has appeared in court this week as an adult. This was at the Court of Appeal. And Cathy and Noel Blair have now asked that this young man, who was responsible for the death of their son in 2020, they now want him to be publicly named, because he has appeared in court as an adult. They have been told that that cannot happen according to the Children's Act of 2001. There are two sections of the Children's Act. One is Section 252, and the other is Section 93. And under that Act, it would appear that the young man who stabbed Cameron to death outside a house party, Bandon Road, January 16th, 2020, he was 17 years old at the time, it would appear that the law says... He's entitled to his anonymity in perpetuity. That if, no matter what you do, when you come before the courts as a child, which he did back then, and you're convicted as a child, which he was back then, you're not named under the Children's Act, but that you maintain that, you're entitled to maintain that anonymity in perpetuity. That has always been my understanding 
of the law as a journalist. Certainly, if you bring in the Anna Creasial case, those two lads, boy A and boy B, are entitled to their anonymity in perpetuity. We discussed that at the time. And it would appear that the law says that the young man who killed Cameron Blair is entitled to his anonymity in perpetuity because it happened when he was 17. Cameron's parents, Cathy and Noel, don't agree. What are your feelings on that? Do you feel that young chap should be named? The law, my understanding as a journalist of the law, is that he cannot be named ever. Cathy and Noel Blair want him to be named. What do you think? 0818 96 96 96. On Mary Lou MacDonald, Tom says, I will be voting for her. The last time I voted, Michal Martin said he wouldn't go into collision with, coalition with Fine Gael and he went into collision with Fine Gael. I think that was very unfair and I will not be voting for him again. Okay. On the tragedy in Killa, my brother lives in Killa. What that parish is doing is outstanding for the family. That's Gary in New Zealand. Hi, Gar. And on immigration, another issue raised there with Mary Lou. The business post, this is Garrod, the business post carried a poll saying 75% of the Irish people feel we're letting too many refugees in at this time. 75% of the people they asked. Always important to say that when you're quoting from a poll. It's 75% of the people that they asked. Not the Irish people. It's the people that they asked. I feel we're letting in too many refugees at this time. The government aren't listening. I think we should pause it. I have no problem taking in more refugees, possibly even at a faster rate, once we have a proper plan and proper facilities for them. The current route is a disaster. That's Gerald. 0818 96 96 96 Join the conversation Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696 96. This is the opinion line with PJ Cookie. Oh, it's 96 FM Live to the Marquee kicked off Saturday night with uh, my therapist ghosted me three nights I think the last night of his tonight packed houses May- utter mayhem so I'm told Men in very short supply. Um, Joanne and Vogue, they're definitely on to something. Whatever it is, I don't know. But if you were at the show Saturday or Sunday night, I am told it was a riot and a blast and all of those things. And it's on again tonight. At the weekend, the Frames are in town. I were chatting to Glenn Hansard from the Frames on the show last week. He's looking forward to getting back to play at the Marquee and to play in Cork Friday, June the 2nd Tickets still on sale from Ticketmaster.ie but I have a pair of tickets to give you every day this week, I think yeah, every day this week Frames and your details to 083 396 96 96 Text the word frames and your details to 083 396 96 96 if you want to go on Friday night Now, another story from the weekend was shocking um, I haven't heard the chant when I asked about it at the weekend I was told PJ you don't want to hear it when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm kind of coming at this story from something of a disadvantage in that I haven't heard it. But the chant song about... Stephen Bradley's son, the Shamrock Rovers manager's son. Um, the people who sang it have, we understand, been identified. Um, I'll talk with Dermot Usher of Cork City Football Club in a while, but let's go first to Damien Sreenan from the Other Three Amigos podcast. Damien, I'm told, even though I haven't heard it, I'm told, PJ, you really don't want to hear it. Is that the case? Good morning. Yeah, I suppose uh, when, when Dermot comes on, he'll, he'll probably give you more details um, as he would have more information. But from what I've heard, yeah, it looks no place for it at all in, in football. And, um, you know, there's there's lines people cross. And uh, unfortunately, you know, they, they were crossed. And, you know, football can have great banter. And even Stephen Bradley came out and said it himself that, you know, he understands it. Some of you see him, I guess, you know, directed towards him. You know, a friendly banter, and you know, between fans. But you know, at the end of the day, we are League of Ireland supporters, we're football supporters, and you know, there's certain things you can't do. And yes. you know, unfortunately, it, it, it marred a brilliant match. You know, <laughs> Shamrock Rovers in town. We we beat them one nil. Three men sent off. Atmosphere was the best atmosphere I've seen since 2017. You know, it was just unbelievable. And then. You know, about an hour afterwards, I started hearing things um, that had happened uh, about 40 minutes after the game. So when the players were warming down, the Shamrock Rovers players were warming down, um, and Stephen Bradley was uh, on the pitch, the, there was a few people in the up in the rooftop bar of the corner flag yeah. who started shouting things towards towards him. Um, you know, they had gone in there after the game, I think, and uh, look, the club acted very swiftly. You have to credit the club, you know, the security, the the the, the, the club, the corner flag, everyone uh, acted so swiftly and, you know, within two days, two people have been identified, two people, one person had come, two people have come forward and I think they've you know, working with the, the Stephen and the corner flag to get CCTV and, you know, it's, you have to credit the club and acting so swiftly and, and absolutely putting the foot down on it. 
mm. straight away. Mm. You know, like you said, um, banter. Banter is part of being at any sporting occasion, and Turner's Cross is known for its banter. But there's a line. Absolutely, there's yeah. a line, and this there, this went there is, way there is, over there is that. A line. Hundred percent. I mean, you know, so Josh, Josh Bradley, which is Stephen's son, is he's nine, and he's you know he's 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 battling leukemia at the moment. So, um, you know, the the chance you know were made towards Stephen about Josh, and and you know, as much as as much as we might dislike the dubs, and you know, dislike there's just these lines in football, and mm. you know, the lads that that did it. Do they regret it? I would presume that they are probably will regret this more than anything they'll ever do in their life, you know. But they they have that's that's it. So I'm reading here from the Sun where it says they have been identified so that it's it's, it's known who they are now. Yeah, I I believe I believe two of them uh, came forward. I'm not, I can't be 100% on that, but I I do believe that definitely one came forward um, pretty soon after it happened. I think another person has come forward as well and admitted. Uh, what they what they did, um, there was a, I mean, um, uh, you know, if I've heard that there was uh, audio has been um, recorded as well. There was a GoPro which was on the the goal behind the or the the goal in front of the shed, and that was still recording and it picked up the audio. And it's just a case of, you know, you know what was said was it's, it's not it's not it's not I wouldn't say it on radio like you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that that's a, I went looking. On Saturday to see could I get a bit of audio, yeah. and the, the the one person that I reached out to actually, Pete, you don't want to hear it. You just don't want to hear yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, uh, you, you don't. And it, and, and it shouldn't. It, no one should ever hear anything like that. You know, um, <clears throat> you know. To as I said, there's lines of football, and unfortunately, you know, they were crossed, and it's it's brought a bit of negativity on you know League of Ireland, soccer, Cork City, but. You know, at the end of the day, this was just a very small handful of um, of, of foolish, foolish lads. There's a an, I, an I donate has been set up now, Damien, to yeah. fundraise yeah. for Bumbulance, and it's a kind of a response from fans to say, "Listen, this is what we really think." Yeah. So what? So what we what we did? Um, there was a we've a fans forum, and the suggestion was there that maybe we should start. You know, to show we should show that. You know what the club is really about, what our fans are really about. So we 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 decided we set up the fundraiser this morning. Um, so we got in touch with Shamrock Rovers and 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 actually Stephen Bradley himself, and he gave you know the blessing that he'd like to, us to you know raise money for Oscar's kids. Uh, they're a, a children's pediatric cancer treatment, and um, Josh is one of their clubs. They've already come up and tweeted it themselves, saying you know they're so happy for it, and Bumblins as well, which is a huge. Children's charity, you know, they do so much work around the place as well. So, uh, we st- we launched it this morning just to show, you know, that, you know, Cork City fans are, you know, we're we're we're, we're not we're not like no. what he experienced. What, what and if he lost and faith in humanity, fair, then he can. To be fair, Stephen Bradley, I think, is a long time in football. He knows that too, doesn't he, Damien? He does. He knows. Yeah. That. I know, and I suppose, like I, I, I do, I do believe that he was really upset. Um, I spoke to a few people uh, in Shamrock Rovers um, over the weekend, and I, you know, I kind of, I just wanted to show that they were just, I suppose, as fans, we just want to show that, you know, give him a small bit more, give him a bit more face and humanity back. You know, we probably lost a bit, uh, and so we we started this morning. There's twelve hundred euros raised already. Excellent. Um So it's, um, it's, you know, it's, it's. 
it's just something it's pretty, quality it's pretty, it's went just try and, you know, now. It's, it's almost gone with yeah, the yeah, great. Just to try and, you know, try and take something out of it uh, and give back. You know, it's trying to make amends, I suppose, all right, for, all right. for what happened. All right, Damien, thank you. The other Three Amigos podcast, and indeed of this parish from time to time at the weekends. Damien Sreenan, thank you. Let's go to Dermot Usher, owner of Cork City FC. As I said, Dermot, I went looking for to hear it just for context, knowing we'd be discussing it this morning, and the one person I reached out to said, you don't want to hear it. Fairly disgusting stuff. Good morning. Good morning, BJ. Um nice to be on the show, but not for the right reasons yeah. this morning. Yeah. Um, look, I think the club are embarrassed. Um, I think we're, I suppose we, we've reached the point now where we're, we have to draw a line as regards what is tolerated within uh, the club and the supporters and uh, a line has been crossed and it won't be crossed again. Like there's banter and banter and as you know yourself, the, the Turner's Cross and in particular the Shed, well known for its banter over the years. But this came from outside really and could be heard inside You've identified or have the club identified who did it? So two people uh, have been identified. They came forward. Uh, there's the possibility of one more person to be identified still. Uh, so my understanding is that the, the guards picked up CCTV yesterday. We have a GoPro camera which has sound, uh, which was still running at the back of the goal at the shed end. Um, so what we're looking to do is sync up the sound with the, with the CCTV um, and we should be able to match up a few things there um, and get to the, get to the bottom of it all. Should you identify and verify individuals involved here, Dermot, will they ever be welcome in Turner's Cross again? No, lifetime bans. We're laying down the law here. Uh, a mark has been crossed, the line has been crossed. Um, and I think as as a football club and as the supporters, it's been absolutely unanimous. The disgust has been shown as, as what was said. It's just not going to be tolerated. Okay. The result, I was sitting at home, I was watching something else at home on Friday, and the, the result came up, and I thought, what a fantastic... And I, it really did sully a marvellous night at Turner's Cross. It did, and it seems to have been completely forgotten that we, we won one, one nail, it was three, three red cards, it was an unbelievable roller coaster of a game, um, and it just it's a bit sad that we're not talking about that this morning. Rather well, than well, let's about talk about else. it a little bit, because you yeah. and I did the last time you were on. You said to me, look, there's a long, adventurous season there, and we just need a few good results to be okay. Could, could, could that result be a turning point, Dermot? Yeah, we, we probably felt even the, the, the match before against Ligo was a turning point. And I think within the club, I think we were... I wouldn't say quietly confident, but we're measured and assured as regards what we're doing. We're confident in the, in the players that we have in the squad. Uh, there'll be a few more additions coming in to strengthen a few, few, few things up yeah. uh, in the July window. There's a spending window coming up, yeah. There is, you, yeah. You, you have a few bob. Jeez, uh, I don't have too much left after buying this club. But anyway, the few bobs that I have, I'll, I'll spend a few more quid. We get some players in. I think the key for us is, first of all, to stay up. Let's see if we can go on a bit of a cup run as well. Uh, let's try and get some more people coming back into the cross and help support everything that we're trying to do. Well, as Damien said, and, and he's been to many a match at Turner's Cross, he said the atmosphere Friday night prior to this disgraceful incident, the atmosphere had been electric. Absolutely. And, you know, there were still 2,000 people weren't at the game. You know, so there's, we've plenty of capacity. So I'd really encourage everyone to, to come and experience it because what, what was said on Friday night happened a half an hour after the game. Yeah. Um, I think if somebody was shouting those things within the game, I think 
will be dealt with very quickly uh, by by the by the, the, the home support. Um, but so I'd encourage it's a really good family match night experience. We have a family section in the in the main grandstand and up at the St Anne's end. Uh, you know, there's a lot of work workers being done in the memory of John Kennedy. You know, I'd encourage people to come to matches. It's how I got into League of Ireland uh, football through my relationship with my own two sons. Uh, my marriage had split up. I had the kids with me on a Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. I said, what am I going to do, do you two guys? We started going to League of Ireland matches yeah. all around the country. Went for dinner, went for the game. Yeah. And it's, it's a great way to do something with your kids and with your family. Okay. And lastly, just briefly returning to where and whatever the guards do and whatever the investigation happens will happen, but your words to those people who know who they are, you will never set foot in Turner's Cross again. No, absolutely not. The, the line has been crossed and we would deal with that. Yeah. All right. Dermot, thank you very much and good luck for the re- remainder of the season. We'll talk again, no doubt. Dermot Usher, owner of Cork City FC. Damien asked me to call out the I Donate page again. It's idonate.ie forward slash ccfc. And I can tell you now that it has shot up in the last few minutes. It is 1,000. 465 it was 1200 and something when I started talking about this less than half an hour ago and this is for two charities the Bumbalance and Oscars Kids Ireland and it's been done uh, the fundraisers or the people behind the fundraiser got on to Stephen Bradley and spoke to him and they're passionate Cork City FC fans and they're raising money for two children's charities Bumbalance which everybody knows about but Oscar's Kids Charity, which is another charity dealing with children with a serious illness. And it's a way of, and they call it, making amends for what happened on Friday night after what had been one of the best results in a very long time for Cork City Football Club. 0818 96 96 Come here, we'll get your thoughts on this during the week. It's all getting terribly, terribly ugly. Uh, Philip Schofield, that story. We, we found out about his coming out as being gay a few years ago. We knew all that. And then there was this other story about a a relationship with a young member of staff at ITV. And it's all gotten terribly ugly now. His career is over. He's gone. There's a statement been issued here and a statement been issued there. This morning he's gone and issued another statement now saying there were begrudgers or other such words out to get him. But it all seems very seedy. And it all seems very... Uh, you know, and you, the question: Who knew what, and when did they know it, and what did they know? And it is all very, very seedy. And some high, if you want, some big players in the industry have been putting the boot in to Schofield over the weekend. Speaking particularly Eamon, Eamon Holmes, I'm not too sure where Eamon plays his trade these days, but he is still on television. I think it's GB News. That channel, but he was putting both boots in with studs out into Philip Schofield over the weekend and t- towards the end of, of last week. I'm interested in your your take on it. There is one man that I miss. I used to listen to a daily uh, showbiz podcast called A Little Bit Extra. It's gone now because the, the the guy who did it has has left the scene, as it were, Steve Allen. But I would have loved to think what. Or to, to hear Steve Allen's particular take take on on this whole Philip Schofield affair, it's a, it's a more murky business, if you ask me. We'll take your thoughts if you have them at oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six.
And Stacey Solomon is rumoured to possibly be taken over and stepping into the uh, this morning seat. Mm. Now, they did say that a, a number of different presenters will be stepping in. Oh, my moon. She has, she doesn't done that in years. She hasn't done the warbly. No, she's been trained out to, like, she must have went to somebody who actually no, taught that's her. her that's speak. her trademark. Uh, it was ridiculous. The biggest, oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like she's constantly sitting on a washing machine. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning. Test drive the award-winning Skoda Enyaq electric SUV at Null DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Corks 96 FM. Talking earlier on to Linda, who had a bit of a problem. Her daughter has got her driving test today and there's no tax disc for the car. And we were worried, could we sort something out for her? Now, we did place a call to the tax office on your behalf, Linda, and we have a bit of an update. Oh, I tell you, when I said to you this morning that it was a miracle I needed, that's what was delivered. So I can't thank you enough. The um, a beautiful, beautiful lady out in the uh, motor tax office um, has uh, given me a duplicate disc um, so she can do her test. That's fantastic. Absolutely. I'm absolutely... T- Listen, I can't thank Emer and I can't thank yourself enough and all the team there because this means the world. Now, the next thing now, she better bloody pass it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, Pat, Hart, Pat Hart down at the ever-reliable CAB Motor yeah. Company, they were also on to see if they could help. Oh, listen, thank you so much. And thanks, Pat, if you're listening. Um, that's really, I'm telling you, you know, people are fantastic. So I appreciate it so much. So you're going to head out and get the disc and then she's going to go and do the test. Yeah, I have the disc and all. I've been out there and all, PJ. So I have the disc. So we're just coming over there now to our place here. And we're going to get the car washed up. And please God, it'll go in her favour today. Oh, listen, that wouldn't, wouldn't it be a great way to start the week? Absolutely, please. Yeah, a nice little win so for the Monday. Yeah, I mean, so, so much for her. So, please, God, no, he, she just needs a little bit of a look, you know, a little bit of a break. You really said that, so, she's had a, run, a bit of a run a of really bad luck of late. So. Yeah, a mm. really tough time, so she deserves a bit of a break now, so please, right. God. The miracles will still keep coming. Here's hoping. Thank you so much, guys. Cheers. Good start to the week. Linda, thank you for that. So we placed a call earlier to the tax office to see could anything be done here because the tax was paid on the car. They have a receipt, but there's no disc. And they've got a disc. So they've produced a disc for Linda. So the disc can go on the car. The car can go on the test. And here's hoping that she will uh, pass it this afternoon and Pat Hart from the great CAB wonderful motor company also rang I bought my first car my very first car I bought down at CAB I won't tell no I will not tell you when under no circumstances will I tell you when I bought it Um, I was barely old enough to drive put it that way and it was a little blue I will tell you what it was it was a little blue Ford Fiesta Bobcat beautiful little car and I drove it literally till the arse fell out of us. And I loved it. And I bought it. My dad and myself bought it down at CAB. 0818 96 96 96. You make me feel. The Cork's 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon. Raising money for Cork Cancer Services. Your donations will make a massive difference.
I'm now delighted to announce that the total raised in the 2023 Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon is €429,597. What an absolutely breathtaking result. Thank you. A huge thank you to everyone who supported the Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon. You make feel Only on Cork's 96FM <laughs> The minds are live Hello Join the conversation Call 0818 969696 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan Cork's 96FM Still messages coming in about Radiothon and we are delighted to get them. And we are immensely grateful to everybody who donated across the few days last week, but indeed across the many, many weeks leading up to it and put money aside and organised fundraisers and collected change. Sharon says, I couldn't be more proud of my eight-year-old son, Oliver. He donated €100 Euro from his first Holy Communion money. Good lad, Oliver. And they are still coming in over the weekend. Thanks to you and all at 96 MPJ for your help and hard work for giving for living. You're an amazing gang. Many thanks. And that is from Burr. Thank you, Burr. And it's great. It really is. And we were blown sideways by the success of it. And roll on next year. That's all we can say. Roll on next year. It'll be the same weekend. I'll give it the exact countdown maybe before before the end of the show 0818 96 96 96 is the number the text or whatsapp is 083 396 96 96 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie we have talked a couple of times in the last few weeks about the situation in Charleville where there have been a number of tragic road accidents um, fatal road accidents in the last number of weeks and the need for something to be done about the state of traffic in Charleville. Evelyn O'Keefe is from the Charleville Community Forum. In fact, she chairs the Charleville Community Forum. You have a public meeting. Is it Wednesday, Evelyn? Good morning. Good morning, PJ, and thanks for having us on. Right. Yeah, it's actually half seven um, Wednesday evening at the Charleville Park Hotel, and it's open to the public, so anybody can come. So whether you're from, you know, the outer towns that come and shop here, or because you live here, or you have children going to school here, we really encourage people to turn up, because um, we're open to kind of give the, the community back a voice, because we feel like we're screaming into the abyss, nobody's listening. <laughs> In the wake of the tragic accidents in in recent weeks, the push for a proper bypass or proper ring road has been amped up big time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We like we can't wait any longer for this M20. Um, we've the recent announcement with say um, there in the new year was that it was being pushed to twenty thirty and beyond. You know, dot dot dot, and now recently, now it's going under the project twenty forty. Um, so again, is that just another way of pushing it out again? You know, and I suppose it doesn't go along with the green agenda about you know big you know infrastructure projects. So it, realistically, it might never happen. And I think that's what we need to you know start talking about here on the ground. That you know while we're waiting for this, and we've been waiting seventeen years now, and um, there's been little or no infrastructure investment in Charvel because every time people you know requested something to be done, it's 
oh, the road is coming, you'll get it when you get the road. So for the last 17 years, we literally have nothing. You know, we've no infrastructure being put mm-hmm. into the town and um, that's what we can see at the moment um, because of that and because you see we've the likes of Cork Port that um, has increased um, capacity there and you're talking about 10.6 million cargo tonnage coming into Cork Port and that's a, vo- a volume container of 280,000 containers are coming into Cork Port and how we know we don't get them all coming up into travel we do get quite a percentage of mm-hmm. them and we within the last 12 months we've seen a dramatic increase in HGVs coming through the town it's just phenomenal you could just stand in the town and there are literally rows of HGVs coming through like and they don't want to be in the town no. you know we're not blaming them at all no, the and we actually have a representative from the Irish Transport Association Brendan Ryan, he's actually coming down and he's going to, you know, give give us um, the stands on the road haulage um, and, and how they feel about travel and how it's affecting them and their drivers because, like, their drivers are literally petrified now coming through the town. Um, so, you know, the, the meeting is really to get people that we all know where everyone's coming from and kind of get back to the council again and kind of hold them to account yeah. what are they doing because um, they've literally done absolutely nothing report after report drawing after drawing and absolutely nothing on the ground being done We're a a year out Evelyn from local elections this is going to be a very hot election topic in that area yeah, it should be. And, and and like the thing is about it, it has been an election issue for years and years. And like we, we've no excuse here in Charvel. We actually have three government TDs in our area and we have four county councils, which government are, you know, are part of government par, um, parties that are in government. So there's no excuse why we haven't been getting the infrastructure here and why we haven't got a louder voice here in Charleville. And I think um, what we've realised in the last couple of weeks is that um, a lot of people have been going independently, you know, on their own to their county councils and their TDs and they've all been getting lovely letters for the last 17 years you know how they're going to write to this person and that person and then when we actually took it then a month ago after the 7th day we took on board and said look we'll find out who's responsible and that's what we did and we contacted the TI and in black and white and we have the letter and we have published the letter and we will show it on the night the TAI are saying that the person responsible for the main street in Charleville is Cork County Council yeah. full stop you know, so they can't. And the motion that was passed the day we lost the eight person in Cork County Council, the motion was to write to the TII so that they could about um, implementing traffic calm and measures in the town. So the TII have told you, the Transport Infrastructure Ireland have told you it's the County Council's responsibility and the County Council have now written to Transport Infrastructure Ireland about something that's their own responsibility. Exactly. And that's what's confusing everybody. So we need to get everybody in the room together, say, this is the facts, this is black and white. So why hasn't it been done? And like the TI are saying that um, they wrote, um, to, they did a report, a safety analysis of the main street. They identified a high collision location in the main street in Charville. It was forwarded to the Car County Council in 2019 and absolutely nothing was done. They said they had had no request for funding for charitable mainstream from Cork County Council. Yeah. And we now have 12.9% of all deaths on the N20. Wow. Just in 600 metres of our main street and absolutely nothing been done. And you say eight tragic deaths. Now, someone said to me in a call, just a private call from someone who travels through it quite frequently, just a friend, he said, "Um, 
Don't mind the actual tragedies. You said they're terrible in themselves. Ask about the near misses. Ask oh, about, the, yeah. ask about the, the people who are getting frights every second day of the week. Yeah, like even yesterday now with the high traffic coming through um, yesterday, but yesterday we say because of the match, there was huge volumes coming through and I was trying to cross at a pedestrian crossing and I was halfway across the pedestrian crossing and the car just drove right past me. You know, so you can't blame people. They are crossing at the pedestrian crossings. Yes, they are passing in the middle of the street as well where they shouldn't be crossing. But at the end of the day, people have been crossing Charvel Street for 362 years. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that is changing is the quantity and volume of HDBs and traffic coming through Charvel is not suitable for a town centre. It is suitable for a motorway or a bypass. But it's not comparable with the town at the moment. It's just well, as it's, we it's can see. It's a main trunk road between two major cities. Yeah, and there's huge growth in both cities at the moment, especially with logistics. And like just a few days ago, another child got hit at a pedestrian crossing that had been out of action for over a year and a half. And lucky enough for him, he wasn't hit by HGV. It was a car. So, you know, he's okay as far as I know. Um, and it didn't end up in a fatality. But those traffic lights were out of action for nearly a year and a half. And the following morning after he got hit, they were miraculously fixed. So, there like, everyone in the town, is, could they not have been fixed a year and a half ago? There you go. So it's 7.30, 7.30 yeah. Wednesday at the Charleville Park Hotel, a public meeting to discuss the situation there. Evelyn, we'll talk again, I have no doubt. A uh, very serious situation. It's 8 tragic deaths and countless other accidents and near misses over the years in Charleville. That's Evelyn O'Keefe, the chair of the Charleville Community Forum who are organising the meeting on Wednesday. 0818969696. Coming back to it, we'll delve more into this as the week progresses because it's not going away. It's a story that is certainly not going away. John says it's time to scrap the This Morning programme Holly Willoughby has just been saving her brand over the weekend. What exactly do we know about Philip Schofield? The show is toxic. The team stood by him and didn't ask enough questions. And now they're all jumping a sinking ship. Finish it. Cancel it. Seeing this morning where advertisers are beginning to walk away from ITV in droves. It's going to cost them an awful lot of money. And the young man involved who was in a relationship with Philip Schofield... He has come out now and made a statement. It's getting very, very murky. Really is. And very, very unpleasant. I never was a fan of Philip Schofield. He wasn't he did nothing for me as as a presenter. He was competent, is what I used to say. He was competent and could be funny. Himself and Holly were very funny together sometimes. Very funny. But other than that, no. Um so We'll see where it goes. Your thoughts are welcome on it. 0818 96 96 96. It's a story that is not going to go away. What country do Rolex watches come from? Is she on 9 out of 10 yet? 9 out of 10 right now. Oh my God. Oh no. I'm wrong, aren't I? I'm wrong in thinking that we had that conversation about Rolex. They have their headquarters in Geneva in Switzerland. Yeah. Oh. But they were founded in the UK. You've just won two thousand. <laughs> Outstanding! Oh my God! Actually, I'm in shock.
I can't believe it. Congratulations, you aced it. 10 out of 10. A couple of guesses along the way, but you are the latest winner of 2,000 euro, and we are absolutely buzzing for you. Well done. Thank you so much. Thank you. Stacking up the cash. Cash! Cash! The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. Now, if you've got an electric car or you're thinking of getting an electric car, well, one of the questions you've got to ask for yourself is where am I going to charge it? If you live in an apartment or if you don't have a drive, like if you have a driveway, then you can put a charger on the outside of your house. But what if you live in an apartment block? You can hardly run a cable down the side of it and plug it in. You, if you... If your car fronts directly onto the main street, you can't really run a charger out into the public road. And as we push for more people, or the government wants more people to buy electric cars, this has come up at the County Council, where Cork County Councillors have agreed to write to Minister Eamon Ryan, highlighting the need for a policy for owners of electric vehicles because they quite simply don't have anywhere to charge them at or outside their homes. Councillor Seamus McGrath. Seamus, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Good morning. It's it's not an obvious one you would think of until you sit back and actually think about it. How am I supposed to charge my car if I live in an apartment or if I live in a house that fronts straight into the main road? I can't run a cable over the footpath. Yeah, absolutely. And TJ, I raised this motion because this is an issue that was raised with me by a number of constituents. Um, you know, they're at a huge disadvantage if they are living in an apartment block, for example, or if they're living in a house where they don't have a driveway up to their front door. So it is a significant problem. And I suppose, you know, we know electric vehicles uh, have a growing market share now. I think the first three months of this year, 24% of new vehicles were either plug-in electric, electric or hybrid. So, you know, it, it is a growing uh, trend. People are making the switch to electric vehicles for, for a number of reasons, uh, for environmental reasons, for, you know, reduction in, or sorry, because of the, the the price of fuel and so on like that. And um, so people are making a change. But if you're if you're in a situation where you're in an apartment or a house without a drive, you're at a huge disadvantage. And the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland does provide a 600 euro grant for people to put in a home charging point. Mm. But again, if you're in one of those properties, you're not able to take up that grant. So we, we, I put down the motion, we debated this, there was great support in the chamber and we have decided to write to the minister to come up with some sort of um, an approach to this so that people would not be at that disadvantage. Um, and look, there, I suppose people living in an apartment are unlikely to have an individual charging point, but there does need to be public charging points available within the grounds of the apartment block and so on like that so that people can charge. But again, for that to happen, there would probably need to be grant funding made available um, mm. so, the, so the charging points could be provided by the county council or the city council, for example. Um, we also need to look at this from a planning point of view going forward. Um, you know, new developments, we have, to, we have to build them and design them in such a way that these are built into the scheme. Um, and, and very often I think that hasn't been the case. Um, you know, the writing is on the wall now. People are making the switch mm. to electric vehicles and we need to provide the infrastructure. Um, and look, we all know if you have an electric vehicle, a home charging point, you know, is pretty much essential because, you know, first of all, there's the cost of charging in the public charging points now, which has increased a lot. And mm. um, many people will have, you know, tariffs on their electricity supply so that they will have a cheaper rate at night, for example. So they would like to charge the vehicle overnight at home. So it puts it puts people who can have a charging point at home at an advantage and those who can't at a huge disadvantage. Mm. And I suppose what I'm asking is that there needs to be 
some sort of policy and resources put in place to implement that policy uh, to take away that disadvantage. Yeah. You, you do hear of some people who will run the cable across the pavement. They might put down one of these, you know, these cable crossing things. That yeah. you, but it's an awful awkward situation, isn't it, really? It is awkward. And to be perfectly honest, I think there should be a protocol that's possible in, this, in a case like that. I mean, if you can bring in a competent contractor and, you know, cut a channel in your foot pack to run a cable across, reinstate the foot pack, etc., it shouldn't be beyond, you know, the bounds of possibility. But again, there needs to be clear protocols and procedures in place. At the moment, people, I think, are left out there without having that clear protocol in place. And um, again, if that was to happen, I think a grant should be available for that because there is obviously going to be an additional cost for those um, householders who don't have a drive right up to their door. And there are many such houses, as you know, where you have a public footpath outside the front door and your car will be outside the footpath. Um, so there are a number of aspects to this. If you're in apartment blocks, I think we're looking at public charging points. Mm. If you're in a house where you have a footpath outside your door, I don't think it should be impossible for that person to provide an individual charging point. But we're not there yet in terms of the protocols for that. Um, yeah. And and that's why we're highlighting... You, you mean that if, there I have, there if, if I have an electric car and I live in a house that fronts onto the main street that as part yeah. of my installation that it, you'd actually run a, a, a cable or a channel under the footpath for me, put in my own personal plug point which might be locked or something. Yes. I see, I see. Yes. I, I think it should be possible, you know, it should be possible. It's but only a better running the wire, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and look, you get a competent contractor, cut a channel, reinstate the footpath, etc. It should be possible, but, but I've received, you know, contacts from constituents who are looking to do that and they're not essentially able to do that at the moment because the procedures aren't there for that to happen. Um, but there would also need to be grant funding made available. Yeah. The 600 euro grant that's currently there isn't going to be enough for someone in that situation. They're, they're the, going to be- another thing too, Seamus, in an apartment block, and yes, you're talking about having public charging points and that's all very well, but in an apartment block of, say, 40 apartments, you're not going to get 40 points. No, you're not. No, you're not. Um, and look, I suppose we need to be reasonable about this. Not, not all 40 are going to have electric vehicles anytime sure. soon. But at the same time, and not all 40 will want to use the charging point together, etc. But look, there does need to be availability there. Um, and, and it isn't at the moment, particularly in older apartment blocks. It just simply isn't there. Some of the newer developments, yes, they are now providing these, um, you know, because they recognise it's going to be demand there going mm-hmm. forward. Um, but there needs to be a significant retrofitting program put in place. Is there uh, any that's, way that's that the, the council matter. can help here, Seamus, or whoever's responsible for street lighting? I mean, could chargers be built into street lights? Yeah, I, look, I think it's possible, and I, as far as I know, that does happen elsewhere, um, you know, because there is obviously electricity supply there. Um, look, this is something the local authorities will have to have a role in, um, but at the moment... The, the guidance isn't there from the Department of Transport. The funding isn't there from the SAI mm. to, to provide those facilities. And uh, so that's why we, we essentially need to get with the program now. You know, people yeah. are making the change to electric vehicles. 24% in the first three months of this year were a form of an electric vehicle in terms of the new cars bought. And um, so, you know, people are making that change and we need to ensure that the facilities are there. It's very it's very easy for someone to put in a home charger point to have a drive, you know, it's a relatively yes. straightforward job. But if you don't, you can't be, as I say, at that major disadvantage. And it's good for all of us to switch to electric, you know, environmental, air quality and so on. 
um, it, it's good that society is moving that way. The overall target in the country is to have just under 100, sorry, 1 million electric vehicles by 2030 to achieve our targets in terms of carbon reduction and so on like yeah. that. So the aim is quite, the ambition is quite strong, but we're now in 2023, we need to put the resources and the funding and the procedures in place to facilitate people with I home see, charging points. I see here as well a comment being made. Look, the council has actually reduced the number of parking spaces in new developments and, and that's also hampering the provision of charging points. There are actually fewer parking spaces now in new developments. Yeah, I suppose the the development plans would set out, you know, a kind of an average number of parking spaces for development depending on the zone and whether you're high density, medium density, low density and so on. Um, and look, that is an issue. I know it's always it's always an issue we grapple with as a, as a like, the members because we all know states where, you know, you have cars, people are forced to park them on roads and narrow roads and so on like that. And it can be it can be difficult in terms of emergency vehicles accessing, uh, bin trucks accessing estates and so on like that. So we're, we're always making the point we need to provide sufficient parking places. I suppose some of the policymakers are looking at it from a different viewpoint. They're trying to say, look, we, we can't continually provide parking spaces. We need to, you know, encourage alternative uses of transport and so on. So there's there's a bit of a balance going on there. Yeah. But certainly some, some new developments... Um, there has been an attempt to reduce parking space numbers, which which can, which is a challenge. That's a major challenge. Okay. All right. I still think, Seamus, and I'm sure you can't, you might agree with me, but where it goes, I still think the most simple and most practical way to do it is the lights, street lights, that you just put a charger yeah. into the street light. Yeah, no, I think it's a very practical way to do it and you already have the cable and the supply there um, so it should be very, very possible to do that from a technical point of view um, and and they they would by and large become kind of public charging points or not not owned by anyone individual if you like um, but that there would be plenty of them there and that there would would be good availability Um, but I do think people living in a house, you know, a terrace house or whatever with a footpad, I do think it's possible for them uh, to have an yeah. individual charge. I like that idea as well, to run, run a cable, run a channel across the... And like you said, any competent electrician will do it in a day and, and, and yeah. put a little private plug point. If I live in number five, there's a plug point outside number five and I either have a locked a, a locked box with it inside in it or a, yeah. a combination or something. There's got to be a way to do it. Seamus, thank you very much, Councillor Seamus McGrath. 0818-96-96-96. Imagine that, though. I mean, you can hardly do... Running the extension cable. Although it, I have actually seen it. Somebody running an electric cable across. Now, it's a very narrow point where they're just barely on the public road, but they're running it out there. And they take a mat, a mat, you know, from the hall. Yeah. Can't do it all the time. 0818-96-96-96. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Corks 96 Reminder, we have a giveaway with the frames at Live at the Marquee all of this week. We're there, there at the weekend um, on the 2nd. And we just want you to text the word frames to 083-396-9696 and we have tickets for June 2nd, Friday night at Live at the Marquee. Glenn Hansard was on the show last week with me and we had a good chat. He's looking forward to getting back to Cork. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. 96 96 Where am I going? Oh yes, household linens. We covered this with them uh, in the recent weeks. It spoke to Joe Cotter. They are 
closing on Friday, June 23rd. They made the tough decision, they've issued a statement this morning, made the tough decision to close their doors after almost 46 years. Um, Joe said they'd been over... He spoke to me on the programme at some length here a few weeks back. Said they'd been overwhelmed by the reaction to news and the reaction to their closing. They've had people quite literally in tears, huge outpouring of emotion, and Joe said it has taken him aback somewhat. They always liked to think people had appreciated the service, but never thought it had such a profound impact. And he said there have been stories of people who have been bereaved, people who had illnesses, suffered from sleep disorder, and all felt that they have been helped by household linens. So they will close on 23rd, and the sale is still on there. Thank you for that, and Joel, very kind words about the show and about the opportunity uh, to we gave him to mention that there were closing. I'm just going through the, the various comments on various topics during the morning on refugees. Hi, my name is Atakan. I disagree that communities should be told about refugees being brought to live in accommodation in their area. No one has the right to veto ordinary people fleeing from war. This refers back to Mary Lou MacDonald. Uh, I asked the leader of Sinn Féin if she felt that communities should be informed if refugees were being placed in, say, the local convent or any other place that was vacant, uh, an old hotel or whatever, like happened in County Clare last week or the week before. And she said, yes, if you go into the local area and have the conversation, things will work out much more smoothly. That's what she said on the opinion line this morning. Atikan says, no, I disagree that communities be told about refugees being brought in uh, to live in accommodation in the area. No one has the right to veto ordinary people fleeing from a war, conflict or persecution being brought into any locality. Enough is enough with appealing to the far right. We have to oppose them everywhere and stop giving them traction. Thank you for that. Kerbo charge is a UK solution. It's approved there by local councils for houses without driveways. That's from Owen. Don't know what it is, Owen. I'm sure we can look it up. Kerbo charge. In New Zealand, says Gary, it's now mandatory when new builds are going up, especially public housing and multiple homes in subdivisions that a certain number of charging stations are added at the building stage. Could you ask him where are people who live on streets meant to charge their car? Some houses have three cars and park ages away. Which is really, he wants to be, one of the solutions that James McGrath puts on the table is that if you live in a house like that and you're terraced and you're facing onto the street, that there should be some way that you could channel a cable to a charge point where you park your car outside your door. Um, you'd need a grant for it, obviously. Kerbo charge. Ah, there's a picture of Kerbo Ah, yes. That is, I see. There you go. That's a channel. It's a channel Kerbo charge in the pavement and you run the cable out with a rubber housing. There's a rubber housing as well. Oh, yeah, that looks cool. And Owen says that's fairly commonplace now. In the UK, that's the picture. Pretty good. 0818969696. So the weather is marvellous. And this weather is with us until the weekend at least, which is great. But with it has come hay fever. I normally suffer from low level, what I call low level hay fever in the month of May and into early June. And then it usually clears. It affects my nose and sometimes 
my eyes. And I'm not doing too bad this year because I take my I take my meds of the morning, um, and I'm at that kind of low level of hay fever where just taking something in the morning keeps me going during the day. But we have had an email in from Emer who says, "Hi PJ, have you noticed the pollen levels and the types of pollen causing big problems this year?" for hay fever sufferers. My poor husband has been smothered for the last month. And I've spoken to a few people who say there's definitely a rise in hay fever issues this year. Any suggestions on what might work to give him some relief? It is a nuisance. It is really a nuisance. How it affects me, it affects everybody differently. How it affects me is just way too much mucus. Way too much. And just all gunky in the mornings and take me I think what I take is I think called Telfast and it works for me um, but last year I got quite sick because last year I thought I wasn't suffering at all I was just about getting by and I ended up with a pretty nasty chest infection let us chat to pharmacist Raj Gurusami who is with Lloyd's Pharmacy it's it's really so so common Raj, and you must have people coming into you all the time looking for something for hay fever. Is it better or worse than usual? Good morning. Uh, uh, good morning to you, PJ. How are you? So I, I would definitely say this this year, uh, I'd say I was working over the weekend and I'd say one in every two consultations that we had over the counter was some form of um, hay fever or symptoms relating to hay fever. And we kind of have noticed that uh, the demand for our hay fever range has dramatically increased, especially in the last mm. few weeks now that um, the weather has been nice and people have been out and about. So we are noticing definitely um, an increase in footfall due to hay fever symptoms. All right. It can take many sure. forms and affect different people in so many different ways. That's what makes it more difficult. Absolutely. Like so, and uh, quite frequently, then people, um, because there's such a wide variety of symptoms, people often kind of are a bit confused as to why they're suffering. So, like, hay fever is allergic rhinitis. So, like, there's a wide range of symptoms there that I could cover. So, that could range from runny nose, mm. itchy eyes, nasal congestion, sneezing, sinus pressure. Um, so, that the, the kind of the kind of congestion you were describing there earlier on, that, that would be kind of uh, typical, you know, post-nasal drip, yeah. kind of swelling underneath the eyes, um, very, very common um, symptoms of hay fever, now especially there, this time of year. There are quite a lot of over-the-counter medications available. I imagine with a varying uh, effect. It was a bit of a game-changer a couple of years ago when they put, they put Telfast over-the-counter, but there are others too, aren't there? Absolutely, yeah. So um, there are a wide range of antihistamines available. So Telfast is one of the newer ones that's become available over the counter. Now it's a, it, 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 it used to be a very commonly prescribed antihistamine for people, but it, it is available over the counter now in a 120 milligram dose. Mm. Um, so it's fexofenadine is the name of the drug, and it's um, it's similar, broadly similar to cetirizine, which people might know as cetrine or loratadine, and they're beneficial in the sense that they're one-a-day antihistamines, and for the majority of people, they won't cause drowsiness. Mm. So um, uh, for people who are working or maybe driving, it's uh, particularly beneficial to, to those people. So yeah. uh, those those probably be the most common antihistamines um, you would you would encounter, um, and uh, what, uh, probably the most popular ones. 
How, the how other commonly one, then would probably... people have to go to their doctor with, the, with, with this, Raj? I mean, as I said, last, last year mine really turned nasty and I ended up with a very nasty oh. chest infection as a result of it. Around this time, actually, pretty much this time last year. So I was very wary of myself this year. But how often would people have to go to their doctor and get prescription meds? Um, uh, like from my point of view, um, with hay fever, so um, I'd always encourage people to take a, a, a fairly holistic approach when they're when they're dealing with hay fever, uh, to, so that they may avoid going to the doctor if at all possible. So, um, and that would um, so like if you take um, like preventative measures, mm. you know, we always say like in, in pharmacy, like prevention is better than cure. So if you were to take preventative measures. And then combine that with some of the over-the-counter treatments. It should uh, it should help you avoid a, a trip to the doctor. Um, obviously, if the if it kind of goes untreated, um, it can lead to like you know cases where uh, the congestion can lead to maybe uh, some form of like chest infection, which obviously then would require uh, a visit to the GP. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I think it is important to kind of outline the preventative yeah. measures that people can take. Avoid, yeah, um, is there uh, an old method was touted about maybe rubbing some Vaseline petroleum jelly on the bottom of your yeah, nose there, yeah. or just to keep keep the heavier pollen out? Yeah, so um, the pollen is obviously the trigger for in most instances of allergic rhinitis or hay fever. So a little bit of Vaseline just underneath the nostrils, just before you before you go out uh, of a day. Uh, can be uh, tremendously beneficial. I mean, other basic points would be like things like, you know, uh, Metairn produces um, uh, every day. They produce uh, daily pollen count readings. So mm. people who are who know that they're going to be suffering from hay fever around this time of year, mm. I would always recommend that they would um, consult um, the the Metairn website just to keep an eye on the pollen counts. Mm. Other things like keeping. Yeah, it's different pollens as well, though, isn't it, Reg? Because, for example, I can cut my grass and do all those things without a bother on me. My problem is the trees. Yeah, uh, like for, again, for different people, it can it can be different things that uh, trigger the the allergic response. Yeah. So um, you know, it, it, it can vary, right, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but go to your pharmacy and take something over the counter. Is it? Can you take it? The word that I think you're looking for is prophylactically, can you? You just take it, even if you have no symptoms and you're prone to hay fever, start taking something anyway. Can that be helpful? Yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely can be helpful. Again, I, I, I would recommend that specifically for people who know that they're going to be suffering from hay fever-like symptoms. And um, One of the other common things as well we get is, um, like especially over the weekend when I was working, we have people coming into us who maybe... They, maybe they've forgotten to take their antihistamine, or you know they, you know they, you know they, they didn't realize maybe the pollen count was going to be really high, and they come into you and like they might have like streaming eyes, yeah. you know nasal congestion, and in you know in those instances a, a more targeted approach would be, would also be important to take. So the use of like eye drops, um, uh, specifically for itchy eyes, um, saline nasal sprays for relief of congestion. Um, steroid nasal sprays for relief of congestion and to dampen down the allergic response can also be tremendously beneficial. Okay. Um, 
So uh, I would recommend all all those things as well would be yeah. uh, of great benefit to people. You just, you just have to stick with it until it goes away, which it does. That's the thing, it does. Okay, Raj, thank you. Raj Gurusami, uh, pharmacist with Lloyd's Pharmacy. It is a night, it's a nuisance. I'm lucky in that I get it very mild, but it's still a pain absolute pain um, this poor woman who wrote to us her husband has been smothered for the past month you would hope that it will come to an end when whatever pollen is bothering him is gone Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. over the counter and take stuff prophylactically is the word you're looking for to prevent it like that's what is to prevent it now we had a newly crowned cork rose at the weekend um, last week actually the newly crowned Cork Rose and I haven't had a chance to catch up with her uh, just yet but I can do that now Kate, shock to see, good morning to you Good morning PJ, how are you? Great, congratulations you you fought Thank off you so huge much. competition <laughs> I did, I did there were 22 of us in total yeah, and I'm told this is really a kind of a, a, a how was it put it, you know, fate determined in the stars. Did your mum and dad meet at the Rosa Tralee Festival? They did, they did. They met there a good couple of years ago, I think 40 years ago this year. Um, so yeah, they met at the Rosa Tralee. They're both from Tralee originally, so um, they met there growing up. Okay, and tell us about yourself. So I um, work in Norwood Grange. I'm the care coordinator in Norwood Grange. So I'm up in Waterfall, which is lovely. Um, I'm from Balancholic. Um, I grew up in Balancholic. I'm living out in Ovens now with my boyfriend, Michael. Um, My parents returned home to Tralee last year. Um, So they moved back after living in Balancholic for 23 years or something like that. And uh, The draw of the kingdom. The draw of the kingdom. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The Kerry blood. They couldn't fight it off. (laughs) The draw to go home. So, yeah, they went home, yeah, last year. But it's great. I I got to stay in Cork, which is bad. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, at what point in your life did you decide, I'd like to try out the Rosa Tralee? Oh, God, I'd say a young age. I'd say, you know, we had a mobile home in camp, which is just outside Tree. Oh. Um, so we always attended the festival. Um, and, you know, I was brought to all the, the parades and I used to make a rose book with all their pictures in it, getting them to sign. Um, so I kind of always knew I wanted to do it. And then I was the Bella Ballancolic in 2018, um, which was lovely. And then this year, just the right timing, the ad came up on my Instagram and I said, you know what, I'll do it this year. So it was a great experience. It was fab. Um, I met lovely, lovely girls. Um, we went on a Cork Rose tour. We were at the dog track. We did loads of events together. Um, and the selection night was brilliant itself. So it was great. It was a great experience. There's a lot to it, it isn't there, Kate, before you come to selection night, though. There's an awful lot to do. Oh, there is. Oh, there is. In Cork and in Tralee, there's a lot to it, you know. Um, we, I met the girls loads of time before the selection night um, in the Metropole. Um, but, you know, the, and the... Cork Rose Centre put in so much work and they're still, you know, so supportive today and they're helping me out and getting me organised and getting me ready for Tralee. So yeah, there's loads of work goes into it, absolutely. So when is the big event now? In, it's in the usual time in August, isn't it? Yeah, it's from the 18th to the 22nd of August. Okay. Yeah. And so I'll be getting ready for that. Getting up. So yeah, you're, will you be working away right up to it or have you, have you other duties now between now and Tralee? Well, I do. I suppose I'll be at the Cork Summer Show. I'll be at the Charleville Show. I was at um, the the Cork Scott Talent for Downton to Maryland at the weekend. 
or Down Syndrome Cork, it was actually. And um, yeah, so I'll have a couple of things leading up to Tralee, but there's a tour before we end up in Tralee for about seven days as well. So I'll be setting off here um, on the 11th of August on my tour, and then I'll reach Tralee on the 18th. So yeah, there'll, there'll be a lot to it. It'll be very exciting. Will it be your first time to meet the others then? I think, I suppose, I hope we meet before then. I suppose we might be at Galway races or the Clarny races together and hopefully I'll get a chance to meet them all. But we've been in touch over text anyway um, and they all seem like fabulous girls. There's only a couple left to be chosen. I think Dublin and maybe one other place left to be chosen. So, um, yeah, we're getting in touch. We're getting organised. Have you made friends for life already through the Cork event? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like there was 21 other girls and we had, we just had such a great time together. And even the night of selection, you know, we were all there for each other, like, you know, through the nerves and everything. And they're just lovely, lovely girls. And they've all wished me so well. And mm. um, they've been so supportive, you know. Tell, me, very tell me about the moment when it was announced. Oh, oh God, it was, you know, it was just one of those. I was in complete shock, complete shock. Um like my family and friends were all there to support me. It was fab and they came up onto the stage. My parents were up on the stage with me. Like the tears were flowing from my eyes, really. Like they just did not stop flowing. I was crying the whole time. <laughs> it was very exciting. And I suppose it was a dream come true for me, really. You know, and it was, I was very happy. I was, I was thrilled. And I still haven't come down. My feet haven't touched the floor since. Yeah, yeah. Ollie, the host, I think was, was saying, Jenny, your mom and dad picked a good time to move back to Tralee. Yeah, yeah, they, they've accommodation sorted for themselves down there. Yeah, he said it was very ambitious of them um, to move up, to move down to Tralee. Um, but yeah, no, it was very exciting. He was very, very good. Ollie made us feel so comfortable on stage. You know, he's, he really did. He's he doing fabulous. that. He's doing that gig a while now. To be fair to him, he's doing that yeah. gig a few years. Yeah, oh, he's brilliant. He yeah. is so good. Come here. When you, you know this thing about Asher, we're all great friends, and it's wonderful camaraderie. But surely there must be rivalry as well in the lead up. There. There really, really isn't. You would no. think, like, from the outside, there might be, um, but there really wasn't. Like, you know, all the girls, even when I was pitched, they were so, so delighted for me, so, so supportive. Um, so it was great. You know, no, there was no rivalry at all, no competition. It mm. isn't a competition, though, you know, that kind of way. It's only one of us has chosen, really, to represent Cork. Yeah. But um, I know there, and they have their accommodation booked down in Chile as well. I saw they were booking away. Oh, loads so, of them are coming down anyway. Yeah, loads of them are coming down. I think they have three houses booked in Tralee um, to come and support me, which is just fab. Yeah, yeah that's brilliant. That's so. That's, yeah. What party piece do you do so we'll be sure to know, to look out for you? <laughs> I don't. I don't actually have any party piece. I know they're all um, they're all talking about it up here in Norwood Grange as well. Could I do anything on the stage? But um, no, I don't have any kind of talents in the singing or I don't play a musical instrument. So I think I leave it off. I think I'll be nervous enough anyway. Oh, so, so you won't be you won't off. be looking for Dahi to take his shoes off or roll up his trouser leg no, or something. No, 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 definitely not. Definitely you not. Could write a poem. I suppose. Well, we... Of course. Oh, how great think, Cork is. And how, uh, how exactly, you, you love Cork and your your parents decided to run off back to you. Could get, get, get a poem out of that, like. <laughs> I, I could, I could. Get my words together. Because, <laughs> yeah, of course, Dahi, and Dahi might ask, what are you going to do for me? And you say, well, I don't have anything to do. That, that might set you apart, actually. That could be good for you. <laughs> Do you know? Well, I suppose I could play a game of bingo or something up on the stage bingo. as well. I do a lot of playing of bingo up here, up here in Norwood Green, so maybe I could play bingo on the stage with Tahi. We'll see, we'll see. <laughs> I'd be killed now for trying to push you into something. <laughs> you will, you will. No, listen, 
Congratulations to you. Many congratulations. Many, many, many years ago, I was involved in the presentation of the Cork final a couple of years running, and I did a bit for Carrig Line as well over the years. So it's a great event. It's it's fantastic fun. And you are right, Case. And I know it's, they all say, oh, yeah, she has to say that, doesn't she? There is great friendships and great camaraderie between everyone yeah. who meets in that in that few days best of luck to you. Yeah. We, we will talk Thank again you so much. we will talk again around the time of the around the time of of, of the festival Thank you so much PJ thanks Barbara, a million That's Kate Shocknessy newly crowned Cork Rose of Tralee she's from Bellancolic but mum and dad are from Kerry they moved back to live in Tralee last year almost in anticipation of this and she will represent Cork at the International Rose of Tralee festival in August with Dahi O'Shea and a cast of thousands. I don't care what anyone says. I love it still. I don't necessarily sit through the whole two nights of it um, because it's kind of a bit dragged out, but I watch it. Oh, wait, one, eight, 96, 96, 96. Come here, says this fella. Their price of drink is soaring. When will there be a discussion on the radio about it? I'm always on about the price of a pint. There have been several price, price rises in my local recently. It's now 6.40 a pint. 6.40 a pint. I would go on air, but you'd kind of be afraid of being barred. Not at all. You don't even have to tell me what the local is, my friend. 6.40 a pint. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, on hay fever, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar in water every day sorted out my hay fever. Magic treatment, says Tracy. There you go. Or maybe, Tracy, maybe the pollen you were allergic to just ran out of season. Uh, I work for Ohm. We're a Cork-based EV charging company. Some of our installation partners have solutions for customers who don't have off-street parking. I've attached a photo for better understanding. That's from Gary. We will definitely come back to that and plenty other things. Programme edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did, and we will talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Corks 96 FM invites you to run the Cork City Marathon. Register at corkcitymarathon.ie for Sunday, June 4th. Do it now with Corks 96 FM. At Permanent TSB, we know the value of being part of a community, helping local customers and businesses with all of their banking needs. That's why we're opening 25 new branches in towns across Ireland, and our team is looking forward to meeting you. Call in to our new branch on High Street, Bishopstown. We're Permanent TSB, and we're ready to welcome you today. Permanent TSB PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Airgrid is leading plans to connect offshore wind to the electricity grid on the south coast. Come along to our Cork Information Days to find out more about how we're shaping Ireland's offshore energy future and what it means for you. Or join us and our panel of experts at our Offshore Energy Citizens Roadshow to discover more about our plans for the electricity grid in your area. You can find details of all our June events at airgrid.ie forward slash offshore. The Frames, live at the Marquee this week. With special guests, you vagabonds, on Friday and First Class and Coach on Saturday. Tickets from 54.85 are on sale now, maybe subject to fees. So lay me down. 
presented by Aiken Promotions. For more, stay with Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM. With Harry Curry, spring is here. Put a spring in your step and fresh new looks in your home. View in store at Turner's Cross Retail Park or at harrycurry.com. Harry Curry, see what's in store. Moirad McGilligat from Glenmire is our winner with the frames today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.